I went to an encyclopedia and I saw for the year 2007 that it's been designated by, I would say, the uh, educated community or the or the, 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 those in the world who have an education or educated mind or knowledge by scholars, they're saying three things that the year 2007 would be. And they said, firstly, that the year 2007 would be what is called the International Polar Year, I-P-Y. And what it means is that, how many of you heard of the North Pole and the South Pole? You heard of the North Pole and the South Pole? They do exist, right? There is a North Pole and a South Pole. And uh, there's, as the scientific community, as those people look at the world around them, they see that there's phenomena, something called phenomena, that happens at the poles, especially, you know, uh, at each one of these poles. And that brings curiosity. And they want to go and study the phenomena that takes place at the North Pole. And they say that there's a circulatory systems for air and water which reach the surface, but sometimes they get locked in. You know, phenomena stands for an observable event. Things like earthquakes and lightning. How many of you have seen lightning? Right? Lightning is a phenomena. It's known as a phenomena. Because man can't really understand. They study it and they think they know, but it's a phenomena. Rain. Rain. If you, if you, if you look it up in the scientific community, rain is considered a phenomena. Yes, it is. When it rains, we take it for granted. Well, it's rain. But scientifically, rain is a phenomenon. Fire, sunrise, thunderstorms are all classified by the scientific community as phenomena. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I began to research it and study. These are classified items that we take for granted every day of our lives as we walk out into the rain and we see the thunder and the lightning. We hear the thunder, rather, and see the lightning. We take it for granted that these are just things that are normal, part of every of, of living, of, of, of the seasons. But it's known in the scientific realm as phenomena. That un, it's really not understood. But we know that the Bible says... Uh, and let me just say this, the North Pole and the South Pole, the world, the world revolves on an axis around these North Pole and South Pole is like what the world revolves. You know, we're spinning. Do you know we're spinning? Any of you get dizzy once in a while? <laughs> the world spins around. We're not in a, we're not, we're not standing on a stationary object. We're standing on something that is spinning around, but the magnetic force created by that keeps us walking around and standing on the face of this earth. And, you know, as we look heavenward, we know that we stand, we revolve around God. Our life as believers should revolve around God and His Word. Amen? And it is the Holy Spirit in us that should move us and motivate us to that direction which God puts us in. We should be revolving around this, the Word of God, the living Word of God, this should be things. The Bible says, in Him we live and move and breathe and have our being in Him. We revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Others can revolve around other things and they really will get dizzy and confused. 
But when you revolve yourself, when your life revolves around the living Word of God and in that vibrant relationship with Him, everything becomes clear and steadfast. And the Bible says He becomes an anchor to our soul. Amen? And so we revolve around the Word of God. While others study how the world spins and all the things, they still can't put uh, uh, definitions to it all. They try. But phenomena, as they look around the world to find phenomena, and they look, uh, we can find phenomena in the heavenly realm. The phenomena of God's love. It is, it is an observable event. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We just come celebrating Christmas. That was a phenomena. That was a phenomenal event. It was an observable event that God born of a virgin, became man, took on flesh. It was an observable phenomena that people today still scratch their heads, say, how could it be that a man, the Son of God, born of a virgin? Well, it's a phenomena because God is the God of miracles. He's a God of all phenomena. And so we see an observable event in, in the birth of Christ. We see an observable event when a person is born again. Their life is changed and transformed. When you ask Jesus Christ into your life, your life is never the same again. When you repent of your sins and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me a new creation, there's a phenomenon that takes place, a miracle, that our lives are never the same again. And it's an observable event because people can see. Like my brother looked at me and he says, What's wrong with you? And I told him, I said, Frankie, I've been born again. And he says, man, where were you? I said, in the Bible study. And I received the word of God. I heard the truth. And he says, oh, man, he said, they must have hypnotized you. Because he's seen a change in me. But I said, Frankie, it was no hypnosis. I said, it was the, it was the word of God. It was Jesus come into my life that changed me. So it's an observable event. It's a phenomenon. We can't understand how God does it, but I know He did it. He's done it for me. Has He done it for you? Has your life been changed? That's a phenomenon. That's a miracle that only God can do. You can't, you can't put a scientific period after a sentence and say that's it. No. It's something beyond our understanding of how the wonder-working power of God comes into our lives like a phenomena and changes us. Men seek after phenomena. They're running to the North Pole. They're running to the South Pole to observe the, the phenomena. But if they run to the living God, if they ran to Jesus, they would experience a phenomena that they can never write in the books other than to say, oh, I once was lost but now I'm found. Once was blind, but now I see. The phenomena of Calvary's cross, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. An observable event. As we look to Calvary's cross, then we saw the Son of God, Lord Jesus Christ. We saw Him go and willingly give up His life, be nailed, brutalized, and be nailed to a cross. It was an observable event. It was a phenomena. What happened when Christ gave up the ghost? Willingly. It says the skies grew black. Thunder came down and the earth trembled. Earthquakes were all over. It was an observable event. The veil of the temple was split in two. Phenomena, 
miracle work and power of God, an observable event about the Son of God. You can run to the North Pole and South Pole and watch all this phenomena, but you look at the Word of God and see what the Son of God has done, and you'll see things that are the greatest miracles and phenomena ever, ever recorded in history. Born of a virgin, raised up, opening blind eyes. When he opened up the man of the, the eyes of a man born blind, the Pharisees and the people said, never have we seen such a thing in all our life. Never have we seen the eyes of a man born blind open. Phenomena. An observable event. The miracle working power of God to change and transform a life. Good Lord. Do you know who we serve? Do you know who lives in us? Who's called us by name? My God, a a miracle working God, a Savior and a Lord. I want to read to you from the book of Isaiah briefly here. Isaiah chapter number 55, verses 10 and 12. You know, because they, they're, they're running to the North Pole, they're saying the, that the rain is somehow, the, that it comes and somehow it's supposed to go up, but it gets locked in to the ice and snow. They're trying to, to trying to capture this, this ancient air or ancient rain that was locked in the ice. Amazing. But it tells us in Isaiah 55, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You see, I think that's called hydrology. And that's where science began to understand everything. That what comes, rain comes down, waters the earth, has a purpose. Rain just doesn't come down. That phenomena called rain just doesn't come down and uh, disappear. It comes down. It does a work. Everything God does, does a work for a purpose, for a good purpose and a plan. It nourishes the earth and then it goes back up into the heavens. It gets purified, comes back down. It's like a cycle. And that's in the scientific realm of phenomena. Because as, as I also study things, it said water should not be liquid. There is no reason scientifically for water to be liquid. Water should be a frozen solid because of its chemical makeup. Water is a miracle phenomena in existence in this world, which we take for granted, which we pollute, which we do all manner of things with without even thinking that water is a phenomena a miracle in our very midst. Water by its chemical makeup in the scientific realm should be a solid continually all the time. Yet we have rivers and we have oceans and we have streams and we drink it every day because we can't live without this miracle phenomenon called water. Can we live without the living water of God? Jesus declares himself in the word of God to be living waters. And can we go... Without living waters, it's a phenomenon. The living water, why would God's word become active in us? Because he so desires his word to be in us, nourishing us, changing us, active. As the rain comes down from heaven and nourishes the earth, the word of God comes down from heaven and nourishes our soul, nourishes our very being, and it returns back to God. Hallelujah. The word of God says his word will not return void. 
but will accomplish that for which it was sent. Why did God send His Word, His His Son? Because He wanted to redeem us. He wanted to know us to know the manifest love of God. That while we were enemies with God, He loved us and He sent His Word to save us and redeem us and grow us and build us up and let us know the wonderful promises of God that we have a future and a hope and inheritance in heaven. Thank God He sent His Word to nourish us. Hallelujah. Because it goes on to say, and we usually end it there, you know, where it says it will not return. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy. Why did God send His Word? That your joy may be full. As you receive the living Word of God, as you accept it, that the Lord Jesus loved you and redeemed you, there's joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the Word of God says. I have come, Jesus said, that your joy may be full. The Word of God in Isaiah, He says, I sent my Word for a purpose. That you will go out with joy. When you come into the presence of God and love Him and receive Him and say, Oh my God, you are my Savior and my Lord. Cleanse me, redeem me, change me, make me a new creation in Christ. You leave that presence. You never leave the presence of God. But you leave that with a joy in your heart. Did you have a joy when you got born again? I did. I was a driving instructor. And every time somebody got in that, that car and I closed the door, there was a joy. Ooh, glory to God. I have somebody to share the gospel with. They didn't know it, but they were, they were going to hear the word of God. And praise the Lord. There was a joy. There was a joy because my life was changed for the good, for the great. I had a joy I never experienced in life before. The Son of God was alive in me. The Spirit of God was in me. And I had to share that joy with someone. I couldn't contain it. You will go out with joy and you shall be led forth with peace. These are the purposes in the Old Testament God said He's sending His Word for. And what did the angel say to the shepherds when night Christ was born at one night in Bethlehem? They says, joy and peace on earth to all men who will accept and receive this wonderful gift of God. You see, God sent His Word, the phenomena of joy and the phenomena of peace. The miracle of the Bible tells us that God gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. It's a phenomena. It's a miracle. You can't write, you can't put a scientific explanation to it. It's a, it's a God-given thing, peace that passeth all understanding. That means there's nobody gonna understand it. I don't care how many degrees you have or don't have, you cannot understand the peace that passeth all understanding. Why did God send His Word? For joy, for peace. And He said, And the mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees will clap their hands. And He goes, it Just to say that His Word is just to bless your life. Oh my God, you want phenomena? You want, you want something extraordinary? Come and put yourself into the presence of the living God. Call upon His name. Invite Him into your life. Your life will be changed and transformed. Phenomena, things you can't explain, things you can never fully understand will just capture you and transform your life and overflow from you. 
And people will look at you and say, what in the world has happened to you? Give me some of that. Like Carmen, uh, or that one guy used to say, I want some of that. And so God does a great thing into us. And also those, 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 those people that are searching, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to go search the, the things that are taking place on the earth. I'm not saying scientific expeditions are bad. They're good things. People are desirous to, to understand. But the most important thing is to, to explore the realms of God in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest riches. That's the greatest expedition we can, a man or woman can ever go on to explore the realms of the living God, of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of heaven. And they say that they had to put all, it was too expensive, so they had to pool their money so that they can go on their expedition. But Jesus, God says, you come as you are, freely come, and I will freely give. You don't need money. We don't have to pool our money together to get the presence of God here or to explore the phenomena of God. We just need a willing heart to say, yes, Lord. Leave your money at home. I mean, bring your money in for tithes. But you know what I'm saying? You, to come into the presence of God, you don't, you don't go through a turnstile. You, you don't buy a ticket out of booth to say, you know, I want two shows and, no. You come freely into the presence of God and God freely pours out into you wondrous things. It says in Matthew, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. When people get healed in a service, when people are delivered, it's a phenomena. It's a miracle. You can't understand it. You can't explain it. But it happens. It's an observable event. When we come and we say, who wants to be prayed with? Who wants to believe God for whatever the need is? And we pray. We believe God. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God that something happens and God does what only God can do in healing us and bringing forth phenomena, miracles. Hallelujah. We look at our body. God created us. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your body, if you should get a cut on your finger, you're not going to panic and scream and say, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. You know that you, that, that if you apply a little pressure and, and bandage it, it's going to heal. Why? Because it's it's in the body. The makeup of the body is to bring forth healing to itself. How did we get that? God is the creator of our body. God is a healing God. And God, even through our own body, as we look at it, we see that our creator is a healing God. He made my body to heal. And so God is a healer. He's a phenomenon. He's a miracle-working God. And it says in Romans, what do we say to these things? That if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What a God. What a mighty Savior. What a loving Father we have. Why does He have to give us free things? Not because we deserve it or earn it. Because He loves us. The the indescribable love of God. How can we comprehend the love of God? We can't. 
We can experience the love of God in our lives, but we cannot fully understand why He would love a sinner like me, uh, why He would desire me to freely have all things in Christ Jesus to become a new creation, to experience the love and the joy and the peace that passeth all understanding. Why? Because that manifest love of God freely given to each and every one of us. And again in Revelation, we know those waters that says that I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to him that is a thirst a fountain of the water of life freely. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty to drink of the wonders of God? Hmm? Ah, take a drink. Has anyone taken a drink today? In the Word of God, a refreshing drink of their living waters that refresh, that renew, that impart life into us. My God, we don't, you know, as they go into the polar regions, you know, they need to, to bundle up because it's cold. They're going into the cold, freezing and and, and shaking like to observe phenomena. But when we go to God, we don't go to someone or somewhere that's cold. We go into the warmth and into the love of God. The love of God is some a place that melts us. When we get into the presence of God, we just melt before Him. In the wonders of His love, just melt us. Ah, hallelujah. But He does it. He just forms us. He melts us so that He can form us. And fashion us to make us who he wants to be. In God's presence is joy forevermore. And they, it says they, they approach it so that they can obtain data to interpret it. But we know what the word of God says. That the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. Interpreting the word of God. The Bible says come to the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. And the Bible, you know, the Bible, God wants us to know the word of God. And we don't have to. We want data. Do you want data to interpret? Here it is. All the data you can read right here on the pages within the Bible. You need help in interpreting the data? Holy Spirit, Lord, come and teach me. Give me, show me the truth of the Word of God. The Bible says He will be your teacher. All the information, all the data you need concerning Jesus Christ is right here in the living Word of God. Do you have a Bible? Does everyone have a Bible? Do you have a Bible at home? Do you have a Bible with you now? You have all the data you need to find out all there is to know about God. And beyond these written pages, the Holy Spirit working inside of you reveals God in the depths of your very being that go beyond even the pages here. He comes alive in you, the Holy Spirit, and interprets. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will bring into remembrance everything I said and will show you all things. And will teach you all things. Hallelujah. We don't have to go somewhere to interpret the word of God. We have a built-in interpreter. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. You walk around life and, and you go to a, a foreign country and you need an interpreter, right? You need somebody to come alongside of you to say, hey, what are they saying? You know, say this. You know, he said, she said, tell him. He, You know, but... Inside of us, we have a built-in 24-7 interpreter of our Word of God. Father, I can't understand. Give me understanding of this matter. Holy Spirit, come and open up the, the, the eyes of my understanding. Open up the eyes of my heart to understand the, 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 the things of God. And the Holy Spirit is right there. He's right there to help us and to open us up to the truths of God. That's why Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit. And uh, 
I just want to skip that page and go a little bit on here. The second one that they said was would be an international helio, and these are big words, helio, James might understand it, the international heliophysical year. And what it means to understand what drives the planetary environments and the, the, the relationship between the solar system and, and all the planets and what keeps them in, what keeps them in balance, what keeps them rotating, what keeps them from colliding with one another, what's the relationship within, within the planetary thing and all this here. And, and so they want to know, they coined that phrase, heliophysical, uh, to study the interconnectedness of, of everything that's in the heavenly realm. Hallelujah. Now, is that a bad thing? No. And in itself, it's not a bad thing. But to understand, you want to look heavenward and you want to understand, we want to understand, God wants us to understand the heavenly connections of the kingdom of God and of us here on earth. Amen. There, there, there's, there's something. The Bible says Jesus came from heaven to earth. You want to talk about a, understanding a connectiveness? Between the heavens and the earth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come from heaven to earth, and he, he's, he's there. And it says that they, need, uh, they needed uh, and make an effort to press on to understand these connections. God made a God-man connection with his love, through his love, through Jesus Christ, the God-man connection. You've been connected to something in the heavenly realm that you can't see or understand with a telescope. You can't, you can't get a telescope and look at God, see what he's doing up there. Is he going shopping now? What's he doing? You know, you can't take a telescope and observe God. He's invisible. But he's made a connection with the heaven and us. He's come to live with us, to teach us, and to give us understanding of all things. I want to read to you Isaiah. Isaiah is a great, is a great book. Isaiah chapter 40. I just want to read a few, just a few verses to you here. Verses 26 to 31. Because people look up and they try to examine the stars and understand what's happening up there, what's going on up there, and, and how do they get all up there, you know, that, that big bang, big bang theory, which is like ridiculous. It's like, you know, an explosion in a printing press and the Webster's dictionary comes out of that explosion. It's absurd, you know, to think about it, right? Or like they used to say, you know, you get all the pieces of a watch and have a big explosion, and out of that explosion comes a brand new watch, all in place, fit, shiny, and everything. That's absurd, isn't it? Right? The Bible says, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. The Lord set in heaven all of the stars. He calls them by name. God says, just lift up your eyes and look and see. Observe the heavens and all that. And the Bible says in Colossians that in him, in Christ Jesus, all things consist or are held together. Why aren't planets flying off somewhere? Because in him, in God's God's wisdom and God's work, he holds everything together, sets them in their course. The Bible said God sets the sun in its course to rise and set. And all the stars and everything else that you see for light in the heavens. You read Genesis, read the Bible. The Bible makes clear God set them in their courses. And man is trying to study how come they stay this way and come that way. Why does the sun come up and set every day? Because God says it. 
Because God set it on its course. That's what the Word of God says to us. In Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power, His Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so we see that as we observe the thing, the world around us, we see the wonderful hand of God uh, in our midst. And they said there's three objectives that they wanted, that they wanted to, that they wanted to advance their understanding of everything that's out there. And we need to advance our understanding of the Lord, our relationship with the Lord. We need to advance in 2007 our personal relationship with Him. Get to know Him more this year than we've ever known Him in the past. They said they also want to continue to, to research together the things that are out there. And for 2007, we want to continue to be faithful to, to get together, to learn together in church and in Sunday school. We want to get together to continue to press on to know the things of God, to know Him. And it also says that they want to begin to demonstrate the beauty and the relevance of everything that's out there. And we want to demonstrate. The Bible says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. We want to demonstrate. We want to be living epistles. We want to be demonstrating the work of God in us, the love of God in us. We want it to be manifest to those round about us in our lives. And finally, they said the third, the third one, and I'm just going to go through this. The third one is surf. It's going to be a year, they said, of surf life saving. You know surfing? They wanted it to be a year of surf life-saving. It's a movement for voluntary lifeguard services to save those people that may be in danger of drowning or, 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 or sinking uh, in the waters. And it's made up of volunteers. And they're trained in methods of looking for dangers, keeping people from the dangers, and those that are doing danger to run out and to rescue them, to keep them from losing their lives. They set up rescue services, volunteers again, where they are regularly on patrol. They go around looking for, for where people are, where people are gathered, where there's, or maybe where there's just a few. They walk around looking, keeping on the alert for someone who may be perishing or dying, and their, their goal, their whole mission is to run out to rescue them, to save them from the waters that would drown them or would, would, would destruct them. And they're taught. They learn how to save, what to do, what are the procedures to do when someone is drowning or when someone is being rescued. What do you do? How do you go about it? And uh, the Bible tells us, calls us to be, to be lifesavers. As we look around the world around us, we see people who, as we look around, are dying and drowning in this world. And all the things that this world presents and gives, people are drowning and dying in a sea of sin and not knowing the Lord. And God has called us to be witnesses, to be lifesavers in this world, to look around, see someone who needs to be rescued, who needs to be saved. They will die. They will surely die. If a lifesaver on the beach sees someone drowning and says, oh, well, somebody else will save them, and they drown, what does that lifesaver do? We can't take on guilt. We can't save the world. But we need to look at the world around us and say, whom can I reach out to? Who can I extend a hand to try to save them? Can we save everyone? We can't save anyone. Only the Lord. 
But the Lord just wants us to be there, to extend a hand, open our mouth, to say the Lord loves you. There's another way. Come to know the love of God and to, to proclaim the gospel. And so the Lord calls us to be a rescue service, lifesavers in the world around us. So through, through 2007, let us be lifesavers. Let us be those coming to the rescue of a lost soul, coming to someone, a rescue to someone who's walking in darkness and doesn't know or can't see the light. Help us to point them to the light, to hold the light of Christ. The Bible says you are the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Lift up that light. Let the light of Christ burn in you and show forth. We're in a dark and dying world, but we bear the light. We bear Christ. And there's competition. There's others out there competing, going out for those lost souls to bring them into captivity, into bondage, into something that can never set them free. Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever else you have out there, but we have the truth that can truly set the captives free. And we've got to go and bear that light, to bear that truth. Life-saving is a worldwide thing. In Australia, in the British Isles, all over, everywhere, there, there are these volunteers. They're not paid, they're volunteers. And the Bible says, that will you willingly choose to go and reach out this year to save someone? Put someone on your prayer list. How can you do it? What's another way to do it? Write someone's name down that, that, that is a relative, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. Write their name down and pray for them diligently that they will come to know the Lord. And pray that the Lord will give you, and not the pastor, will give you an opportunity to share the gospel with them. More people come to know the Lord through a friend or someone they know than someone they don't. And so pray for that person and believe in 2007 that that soul will be rescued and saved from death and dying in darkness. Amen. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And again, in Second Peter, and I'm going to end with this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what am I saying here in these three things? That it's a year that we need to put ourselves in that place to know the warmth and the love of God like never before. He's a miracle-working God, a phenomena-working God, doing things he can do, as the Bible says, he does more than we could ever ask or imagine. Meaning it goes, what God does goes beyond our comprehension and understanding. Don't try to understand what God does and how he does it. Believe him, trust in him, have faith. If the Lord said it, he will do it. Believe God that you want to be changed and transformed in him. And that you want to let the healing and the joy and the peace of the Lord be manifest in your life like never before. And secondly, we want to know that, that our relationship with God to man, we want to get into that relationship too of understanding how God works in us. We want to get into the Word of God. We want to get into fellowship like never before. Putting ourselves under the Word where we can grow. And finally, it says that we need to look around us this year, 2007. We want to be lifesavers. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise, and you have an everlasting inheritance. 
And so God helps you. God helps us in our witness. God helps us to be shining lights. God helps us to be living epistles. Just open our eyes. Look at life around you. Someone, someone somewhere needs hope, needs the Lord, needs love, needs a listening ear, needs some compassion, needs some help. The world is full of it, full of people, full of people around us who don't know where to turn. God has put us there that they may turn to us, that we may point them to Christ, that Christ may come into their lives and change them forever. Amen. We're like a directional signal this way to the Lord. And when they get there, they're never the same. And they will thank you. They will thank you. One of the greatest things when you lead someone to the Lord is when you see their life change and they come to you and say, thank you for bringing me to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you led me to the Savior who changed my life. The Bible says there's no greater joy in heaven than when a sinner repents and is born again. And so there's great joy. I've come that your joy may be full. I've come that you may rescue a soul in my name. In Jesus' name. Can we all stand this morning?